Episode 84 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast is with Nathan Griffith, the lead academy SNC coach at Oxford United. Nathan came on to talk about his journey so far and the setbacks he's had on his journey that have taken him up to his current role. We spoke about making the most out of lockdown. We talked about the biggest additions that he's made to the program at Oxford. And then we also touched on the webinars and calls that he set up in this period. So tying in with making the most out of lockdown, I'm sure many people would have seen that Nathan's taking on this opportunity of setting up webinars and calls with practitioners. And he's also um, got a WhatsApp group now with over 100 practitioners in it that are having some great discussions. And he's set up some webinars with some top coaches. Um, I know there's a few previous guests of the podcast that have been on it, including Adam Kerr, um, Cal Walsh, Paul Bauer. They've all done some some webinars for um, Nathan as well. So he, he is really making the most of this opportunity and doing some great stuff for the industry and pulling everyone together and getting some great discussions going. So it's great to have him on the podcast and talk about all of that and also the, the work that he's done at Oxford. So please, as always, guys, please share this show. Um, share it with as many people as possible again we've had some really nice comments this week about the podcast um, praising the, the, the quality of guests that we had on recently so please do us a favour share the show and get it out to as many people as possible and we'll keep these double episodes per week coming throughout the lockdown period um, I also hope that everyone's staying safe and well out there and as training um, resumes I know some of you will be back into training now um, hope everyone stays safe and um, looks after themselves and the players so big thank you again for listening enjoy the episode with Nathan it was great to chat to him if you haven't met him before he's a, he's a great character he's been to a number of our networking meetings and always great to chat to so enjoy episode 84 with Nathan Griffith welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast this is episode 84 I'm delighted today to be joined by Nathan Griffin the lead academy strength and conditioning coach at Oxford United. Nathan, how's things? Yeah, all good, thank you. Yourself, Ben? All good, thanks, mate. We just had a, a good catch-up there on what you've been up to and you've been uh, making the most of this time, which we're going to go into in a bit more detail shortly. But I'm sure anyone that's been to on any of our network meetings will know you, they'll know all about you from talking to you at the meetings. But just give us a little bit of background on you and your career so far. Yeah, so um, I went to University of Derby um, and in my first year, I was there for four years. In my first year, um, I was able to get an internship at Derby County Excellence for the girls. Um, was there for a good year. Um, when I applied for the internship, I had no idea what the um, strength conditioning was. But I thought, you know what, it sounds cool. I'm just going to go with it. Um, got there and yeah, I liked it. I liked the internship alongside doing obviously my first year. Um, and then it was not only until my second year where um, I applied for the um, Academy SNC intern role at Derby Academy for the boys. And I mean, if anyone's been to Derby before, um, it's amazing. Like the facilities there are so good. And because I love football anyway, um, it just made me fall in love with the training ground and obviously what obviously SNC applies. Um, so, yeah, I think I learned so much within that role. Um, from a sense of a practical aspect, I got pushed in the deep end. Um, I got told in a, like in the two, three weeks, to, okay, now you're doing the sessions. Um, now you obviously, since you've been shadowing. Um, and I just loved it. Um, I worked alongside with Danny Patson, who was in charge of me. 
and then also Mikolai, who's now the um, strength conditioning coach for under 23s at Watford. Um, so it was a really good year and um, I learned a lot from it. And then um, because I was there for four years, I went to gain additional experience. Um, I, what could, because I had an internship at Derby, I contacted Burnham City Football Club um, and saw if I could gain an internship there. Um, and I was able to. Um, I went through an uh, interview process um, because I wasn't part of Burnham University. I was kind of like, as you call it, as like an outsider. Um, so I was doing an intern- internship role there with the academy. Um, and that was really good. They had player tech at the time. And I was learning all their um, GPS and the monitoring with the under-18s and helping assist a lot of their um, Elliot at the time there. Um, like, great guy. Um, very practical experience in terms of outside. His delivery was great. And I picked up loads of, loads of things right there. Um, and then um, I obviously finished my university degree. Um, I just want to say as well, like the University of Derby, if anyone is thinking about what to, like where to go for university, um, University of Derby really helped me. I think James Keenan, the um, program leader there, he made that uh, course so applied. I did a sports, sports science and um, sports science and yeah, sports science degree. And uh, in my second or third year, I got to choose strength conditioning as a module. And they made it so realistic to the um, UKCA assessments at the time, which was really good. And part of that um, help, which helped my journey, was Luke Jenkinson, who's head of sports science um, at Derby now. He was uh, assistant lecturer at the time. And um, yeah, like I think everyone who knows Luke Jenkinson, like he's really intelligent um, and really enthusiastic about the role, um, which made me know for definite that that's the route I wanted to go down to as well. So I finished my degree there. So I had the experience of Derby and Birmingham, which was great. Um, went, then went to do my master's at Middlesex University, um, which is where uh, Chris Bishop and Anthony Turner um, are run up program down there. Um, but alongside that, I knew that the industry was so competitive. So I decided to gain a, another internship at Cholton. Um, and that was with Harry Beerman and Kamal. Um, Kamal, who's now at Colchester now. Um, learned both top guys learned a lot from them um, but I was only there for three months I was fortunate to gain a full-time paid job at Barnet um, which was great I mean I was doing masters at the same time and I was doing something that I loved doing and something that I worked for for so long and I just felt like wow like now like I'm finally doing it I'm finally doing what I want without no guidance just doing from everything that I've learned from previous um, but unfortunately, at that time, Barnet, when I joined them, they were in the relegation battle in League Two. And by the end of the season, they got relegated, which meant that, unfortunately, I lost my job. Um, so that was a killer because I've worked so hard, got all these internships. And then I thought, OK, I've done it now. I'm in the industry. And everyone always tells me that once you're in, you're in. But then as soon as that, I was out of it. Um so then I was thinking, okay, like, what am I going to do now? So I finished my master's. That was great. Um, and then I was in the process of looking for new, obviously, jobs. Um, I'm not going to, obviously, say the teams that um, I applied for, but I, got, I was able to get an interview with these two, two clubs. But obviously, unfortunately, I didn't um, get them. And then it was only until the last day, um, it was a role at Peterborough, I was able to um, get a role at Peterborough 
um, working under James um, Baum. Um, that was with the academy. So I was doing gym sessions with the 14s, 15s and 16s and outside um, sessions as well. And if I, if needed to, I'd cover James doing under 18s if he was ill or anything like that. And then I was in that role for a good 11 months um, in that time as well. Obviously, because it was a part-time paid position, I obviously needed to work full-time. At the time, I was um, I moved back to my parents from my master's and I, um, it took me from Tamworth to Peterborough it was like an hour and 45 on a part-time role. And like it, the, the driving was crazy at times, um, but it was just something that had to be done. Like I was so persistent and knew that this is the, like, this is the, um, this is the role I wanted to be in. So I was just committed to it. So I was there for 11 months, driving up and down three days. Peterborough made it easy for me. So we changed my schedule. So it was easy for me because they knew the, my travel circumstances. And then after that, um, I was able to, where my current position is right now, is become obviously a strength conditioning coach for the academy, um, which is responsible for the under nines all the way down to under 23s. Um, so then I've been there ever since um, over a year now. Um, and yeah, I'm loving it every single day. Great players, great staff to work with. Yeah, I think it, we're going to come back to your current role in, in a, um, a second because we're going to delve into some of the work you've been doing at Oxford well, it's really it's great to hear your journey so far and the clubs that you've been at. But what I wanted to ask Nathan was because this will relate to a lot of people. Some people go through an internship and think that they're going to then step into a full time role at a club. And when, like you said, you've been to interviews, you've gone through interviews and get knock, uh, get numerous knockbacks before you even get that next opportunity, whether it be an internship or a full time role. But mm-hmm. how? How did your mindset work when you go into interviews, you go through it and then you get knocked back and then you seek that next opportunity? Because a lot of people at that point would probably step away and, and go for yeah. something else. Um, I think that's just my personality trait of how um, I don't let um, anything knock me back. Um, I mean, the, I've, I've came out of some interviews and I thought, okay, wow, like, okay, this is mine. Like, I've got this. But then obviously a couple of weeks later, I'm thinking, oh, wow. Um, I didn't get it. And then obviously, obviously you're, you're, you're disappointed. Um, but, and I'm, and you're moping around for a good day or two, but then I suppose you just got to pick yourself back up and just believe in the process and just believe that one day it will happen. And it did. Um, I mean, in my current role, um, the academy manager told me that 155 people applied for my role and it was like a two interview process. My first interview process was, obviously coming in, presenting, what can I give to the academy? What am I going to, obviously, um, what, how am I going to make a difference? And then um, it was um, going downstairs into the gym and doing a gym practical. So that was the first interview process. And then I, was, I felt good about that. Um, and then I was fortunate to get through to the next interview process, which was the, okay, uh, having a match day experience. So um, I had to, obviously... Um, go with the under 18s and be in charge one match day and supporting the obviously coaching staff at the time and then yeah so that was a different type of interview it was very, very applied um, but I'd rather that than obviously being sat down um, but yeah I think it's just being persistent and just never giving up and I think just having uh, family and friends supporting you at the same time yeah definitely and what do you think made you stand out in that interview process? You said, what, 155 people going through the interview process. So what, was, what do you think was the difference for yourself? 
I think just being being who you are and just being um just being honest and genuine um don't be try to be some someone you're not um and yeah I think that's 100 percent something that I would give advice to someone um who's going into interview don't be someone who you're not and just be who you are no, that's top. And like I say, we will delve into the, the programme and the work that you've done at Oxford just in a little bit. But one thing I wanted to touch on first, because we're recording this at the time of being in lockdown. And I don't mm-hmm. think, honestly, looking online, anyone's taken up the opportunity quite as much as yourself to get around people, to to grow your network and make use of this mm-hmm. time. So I'm sure a lot of people would have seen what you've had going on. But do you want to just give a little bit let, let's take it back to initially when we went into lockdown, your, your thinking behind using this time and then what you've had, go into a bit of detail about what you've been running. Yeah, sure. So um, when we got the lockdown, um, like I, we didn't, no one knew how long it would actually go along for. Um, so I was thinking, okay, I can't do this. I can't just be like in my bed or in my living room all day. I have to do something. So it just literally started out with knowing strength conditioning coaches that I already know and just asking them, okay, would you be happy um, coming into a group chat? And then we meet up every Thursday and just have a discussion. Um, and then before you know it, the first one went really well. I mean, it started off with just nine people um, and we all just had a range of discussions in terms of Olympic lifting, uh, UKSCA, um, maturation, um, strength training, other people's experiences of what they've came across. And then before you know it, each week, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and then it got to the point where it, um, it got not tedious, but we was kind of speaking about the same people. How can I, um, how can I make this better? Um, so that's when two weeks ago, um, I invited Carl, um, who has great experience um, all over the game and has been at Derby, Tottenham, Watford. And I just asked him, would you be willing to come onto the webinar and just speak about your experiences and like, what would you, what advice would you give to young practitioners? Um, and then that went from there. And then last week I invited the system manager uh, and head of performance from Oxford. And that was a great experience. I mean, both of them combined have like so much of experience to give and I've learned so much from them in my time at Oxford. And um, it's nice because um, at other clubs that I've been to, there's been really like a separation between academy and first team. But that's not the case at Oxford. And then as this um, podcast goes out, it's actually going to be the week after that you've just ran the the webinar with Callum and and Paul Bauer up at Huddersfield. So obviously we can't touch on that yet. But another two, I mean, two former guests on the podcast, two guys that have got incredible experience. And we were just joking before that you might have to have some extra time on the Zoom call because... These are guys that are so willing to share information and chat through things that that one's going to be a top one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I met Callum um, in the science and sport um, conference um, and he was obviously amazing speaking then and we've kept in touch ever since um, and he's gave me like great advice and to be fair, I never knew um, Paul or never spoke to him before but um, I've heard the podcast of what, where, obviously where he's been at, Football Fitness Federation and him speaking about the Huddersfield structure obviously because they have a unique um, academy um, obviously in terms of everyone else. They don't have that under nines to under 16s programme. So I thought it'd be really interesting for him to come on, expand on that and obviously with the players that Huddersfield recruit, 
um, they must all have different training ages. So how does he, um, how does he apply that? What does he do? How does he individualize them to, um, yeah, for, yeah, how does he individualize them to make their, their, make their needs and get them where they need to be to push them on into the first team? Um, so I thought it would be great to get them to one. And I'm really excited for um, Thursday and hearing what they've got to say. Yeah, it'll definitely be, definitely be a good one. But if, obviously, we don't know yet how long the, the lockdown is going to go on for. But is the intention to run it until we're back and we're out of lockdown and, and people are going back into training? Yeah, definitely. I think the main thing is to um, give something back to um, everyone. And I think maybe a long-term vision would be to start doing webinars maybe every month, um, just once a month, um, just to keep that interaction going. I think that'd be, I think everyone would be interested in that. And I mean, certainly I would take a lot out of it, learning from um, more experienced practitioners. So yeah, that's possibly even the future. And in terms of, because you've just been talking about the numbers of the coaches involved in just in the WhatsApp group alone, you've got loads of people really willing and some top, top practitioners as well. I see people's names popping up in the WhatsApp and thinking like there's some good quality people involved in this. So if people want to get involved, like is there a way that they can just drop me a message and they can get involved with it? Yeah, sure. Um, you can get me on um, LinkedIn or Twitter. And then just if you provide me with your number, um, I can just add you into the WhatsApp group. But like you said, Ben, I mean, we have like, um, we have like Perry who just joined recently from Colchester, who's the head of Academy Sports Science, um, obviously at Colchester. And and then we have just normal um, interns. And it's great to like, obviously, there's no hierarchy within the group chat. We're all one and we're all willing to help each other. I mean, there was a message um, in the group chat last night, which obviously you're involved in too. Someone asked a question about um, Ramadan. I mean, how can we train athletes in Ramadan? And obviously we gave, there was people that gave responses and helped them out. So um, yeah, it's very informative. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great service for everyone to be involved in. No, I'd I'd, um, encourage people to get involved because I think like like you said, the openness of, the conversations I've been on the, the calls and I've seen how open people are to chat about different things. And it's great because I think sometimes on social media, it can be very hard. And we've spoke about this a lot in the network meetings that if you put yourself out there on social media, obviously it stays out there. Some people are out there to just shoot you down. Whereas these are the conversations and the environments that you've created um, that can really benefit coaching, and especially in this time subjects about like Ramadan and, uh, and what we're going through now, these are times that there's not there's not too much information out there. So reaching out to other practitioners is really really key, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I, I'd encourage everyone to still help each other even throughout um, even throughout lockdown and even after lockdown, just to keep having that communication and having that line of okay, I can I know someone who I can ask for advice who which if something I don't know about, but um, yeah, I mean it's great to have. So just wanted to give you a couple of updates on our online community. So we've just uploaded, I'm really excited about some of the content we've got on there at the moment. So we've just uploaded a a webinar from Academy Performance Manager at Brighton, Dr. Will Abbott. He's uploaded a webinar for us on using research to inform applied practice. A really, really top webinar from Will. Um, anyone that's seen any of his work before, which I'm sure you have, know that will know that it's top quality and 
this is exactly the same. So that joins some recent web webinars from Hamish Munro on velocity-based training in professional football. And then before that, we had David Johnson, Academy Sports Scientist at Bournemouth, um, upload a webinar on growth and maturation in youth football. And then Tony Tomplas as well, hamstring rehabilitation in professional football. And there's a number of different other webinars available on the community as well. So if you are a community member, just make sure that you flick back through that thread um, on the video library and you'll be able to check out all the previous webinars as well, not just these new ones that are going on, but obviously check those out as well. And then there's also all the network meeting presentations that we've got up on there. So you can work your way through that. Um, and yeah, come, come and join in. If you're not a member already, you can get a free month on the community. We've got, um, there's a free month available if you go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab at the top, sign up there and you get a month free. And then after that, it is only £4.99 per month. So you still get access to all the webinars, all the presentations, and then all the future content that will be going on there. Um, yeah, so go and, go and take up that offer. So enjoy. I hope you enjoyed the first part with Nathan. It was great chatting with him. And here is part two. Yeah, definitely. So we've we just said before about going into your current role. So do you just want to give a little bit of background on what when you got the role at Oxford, what did mm -hmm. the program look like when you first went into it? Yeah, um, so um, the person before me, Holly Pickett, um, she did an amazing job um, and uh, with the 18s and 23s. Um, but I felt at the time there was not much within the academy structure, um, just in terms of I'm not saying that it was it, it, she did a bad job um, at all. It was just what I was used to and what I've seen from um, Derby, Birmingham. Um, and obviously it was a very small team. Uh, and I wanted every age group to have exposure of SNC, strength conditioning. Um, so at the time when I was at Birmingham, they had that. And I wanted everything that I liked about every club that I've been to, I wanted to apply it to Oxford. So what I did was uh, made sure that I had that support, supportive system. So I wanted, obviously, that, like I said, so I hired um, three interns and a part-time staff member. And then I created an athletic development plan for the um, under-9s all the way down to the under-16s. Um, so the under nines to the under 16s, they have obviously two different, it's not similar, but it's obviously, uh, two different things. So the foundation age group, uh, I'll take you through our weekly schedule. So on a Monday we have a Clarisel and we have multiple Clarisels of four or five. And within the strong conditioning Clarisel, obviously for the foundation age group, that's made of just, um, a multi-sports environment. So that could be handball, a dodgeball, um, anything that you want to be creative in terms of tag, uh, rugby, um, just anything that will provide them with um, different movement skills and just for enjoyment, really, because obviously they have school. Um, they probably do. They're probably playing football in school, and then obviously coming to Oxford and they're playing football twenty four seven. So it's just to kind of mix it a little bit up. And then um, apart from the, or we have the athletic development curriculum, which then every each week they're learning um, certain skills. So it could be landed mechanics. Then the next week after that could be uh, coordination. Um, and then it's the same thing for the um, YDP, but we have just a little bit more emphasis and have a little bit of support feature um, for mobility and for plyometrics. Um, and then just a bit more development for speed. 
And then the 18s and 23s, I wanted to push that. I mean, one of my main goals with what uh, Dan Harris um, said to me um, was in the interview is that obviously we want to um, push these players into the first team as much as possible. Um, and when I joined, we had such a talented group. I mean, they just won the league um, for their div- uh, division. Um, and so obviously the coaching staff and everyone else um, did an amazing job. Um, and then I came in from the, the second part. Um, but we had like first years who already had pros and second years who had pros as well. So um, with the under 18s, we have um, we have such a good relationship with the first team as we share the same training ground and the same facilities. So within the uh, under 18s and 23s, we, ha- we train four times in the gym a week. So Mondays is an upper body strength session. Tuesdays is a low body strength session. Wednesdays, they have college. Thursdays is a low body power session. And Fridays is a mobility plus an upper body power session as well. And there's a really buy-in um, within the academy. I mean, if you look in, if you go into towards our gym, um, you have the stats, the physical stats of the round first team. And then if you look to the left, we have the exact same thing for the academy for 18s and 23s. And that's just a massive buy-in um, in terms of that's the aim of where they need to be. And they know that. Um, and then, yeah, um, and then we do obviously outside. We have a um, kind of a, a curriculum outside where we want to focus on deceleration and we want to focus on running mechanics. And that changes and switches week in week out. And in terms of when, because you said about going through the di- the experiences at different clubs and picking things up along the way, that you were sort of getting this yeah. um, catalogue of things together that you wanted to then put in place when you're in charge of a program like you are now. So what was some, you've touched on a lot there. Was that all um, included in that or were there certain things that you thought, right, that's definitely something that I want in my program? Yeah, I mean, I think something that I learned at Pebra was um, using um, maturation on PMA. Um, and it's such an easy soft, soft piece of software. So obviously you do the height, you use the sitting height um, and then, sorry, what was it? Height, sitting height. Oh my God, I've lost it. Uh, there's one more thing, but obviously use that equation and you put it all into PMA and then it figures out of how far away the players are from peak height velocity. Um, so I used that. I, I, I learned how to do that in Peterborough. Um, so I was able to transfer that onto Oxford as well. Um, that was one of the things. And then, the um, yeah, so how obviously a gym session runs, what to include in what exercises in what gym sessions. So obviously a strength session what to include in a power session. Um, and yeah, I think that really helped me, just the, all the experiences that I've gained from um, other clubs. So, yeah. And I was going to I ask about that. Sorry, mate. What do you say? No, the best coaches are thieves, I think. That's that's true. That's true. And I'm, we'll, we'll touch on your influences in a little bit because I know you've got plenty that you've taken from throughout your career so far. But I was going to ask about, because you mentioned about the strength program that the the 18s and the 23s are going through and you mentioned like the, the priority of each day. But what mm. I think everyone's got a bit of a philosophy in terms of their approach in the gym and we've not really delved into it so much. We've had a few episodes where we've gone into it a little bit, but what's your, what's your approach? What is, what is your general gym philosophy and some things that you believe in and some things that you don't believe in as yeah. much when you step in the gym? I mean, I tried to make it um, as um, specific to obviously on, on pitch so like I, I think a saying that um, most of us has heard is train movements and not solely on muscles. 
I mean, so I believe that to a certain extent in terms of if, it injured play, if there's an injured player, then they have to obviously train that certain muscle to obviously rebuild robustness. Um, but I think I've learned, um, I think, yeah, it's changing all the time, my philosophy. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, this was one, one of the things that was good about the webinar um, and Carl speaking. He was saying that obviously there's, there's such an emphasis on strength training and having that player to lift as so much. But if they haven't got the correct mobility to do that, then you're limiting their performance. So strength shouldn't be the first thing on your mind. It should be assessing their mobility. And if they haven't got good mobility, then don't put them on strength, strength training first because they can't um, lift to 100% capacity. So I think that's 100, 100% something that I'm going to look into my program when we return um, after lockdown um, is obviously just have a deeper insight into um, the movement quality for each player. Because um, like I said, there's no point sticking them onto strength training and lifting 90 kg if they haven't got the mobility to do that. Um, so yeah. And then something about what I've learned from other practitioners was just like we were speaking as well. Um, don't speed up or you can't slow down. Um, I've learned from that, from a presentation that John Noonan did in UKCA, which is so true. I mean, if they can't decelerate and change direction, then why are you focusing on speed? I mean, obviously football is a multi-directional sport. So they need to have that within their locker. And then, um, something that I was really interested in was isometric training as well. Um, I think, um, Luke Jegerson touched it on a podcast that I was listening to. I think it was on Pacey podcast, but it was about that. We place so much emphasis, um, on the Academy onto, um, technique, but we're not actually teaching them on how to produce force. And isometric training is a great way to do that in terms of, um, teaching them how to generate force with, which is obviously a simple technique to obviously use. So um, that's one other thing that I've been doing um, within the academy, just doing isometric training and just showing the, ch the child or individual or the athlete that they are strong if they put a certain amount through the ground. And in terms of breaking that down to exercises and what that program looks like, what, what are you focusing on with that in terms of isometrics? Um, so isometric is just obviously we haven't got the equipment to do that so we can't actually measure um, how much force is producing through the ground so we just do stuff which is obviously um, just a normal isometric so it could be um, just a yeah, mid-fight pull um, just lifting up in the rack like I said we can't we do what we judge it on seconds um, because obviously we don't have the equipment to unfortunately to measure that um, but yeah, so that's kind of the stuff that we do. We just do normal isometric exercises. Um, so for example, if, it, if it's been a heavy week and the players are feeling sore, then I'd rather do obviously isometric because, um, it's supposed to obviously be less fatiguing than strength training. So yeah, that's the approach that I would take. And with that program as well, on a whole, what are some other key changes you think you've made recently, but obviously before we went into lockdown? Um, so yeah, so I think it would definitely be more emphasis on mobility. Um, uh, I think I can't think on top of my head, actually. This, this can be as a whole as well. This doesn't necessarily need to be in the gym. Like you've mentioned a lot of great work that's going on at Oxford, but any, yeah. any sort of key shifts in mindset, like reading different, yeah. different things that you've thought, actually, I can apply that. Like you just mentioned about going, into and applying different things when we come out of lockdown you've got access to the players again 
But before mm-hmm. we went into lockdown, was there anything that you that you thought right? We're going to change that, and you you managed to implement in that time. I mean, I think one thing that I have learned in when doing the webinars and speaking to loads of practitioners is what we just spoke about briefly actually before is that there's no magic training program and there's no magic way of doing things. Um, and I think everyone does, I think in every club, do near enough the same thing. Um, but the only difference is, um, obviously, like we said, is that uh, the communication and the relationship with the players and that bond. And do you have that buy-in? If you don't have the buy-in, then you're, program won't be as effective but if you do have that buy-in obviously your program will be as, as effective as it can be um so i think that's important um for um young practitioners um or people that are trying to get into the industry is that there's no um uh there's no one way to do it um and i think something else i've also learned is that different practitioners have different philosophies and i think before and previously i've been okay why is he doing that for um but everyone has a rationale for doing it and it works for them. Um, so I've always had an open eye for um, changing and being open to everything. And I think, and you've proved this with the, 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 um, the calls and that, that you're running now, there's nothing wrong with asking that question either, is there? If you see something and you're a bit like, oh, why is someone doing that? Actually asking them why they're doing it and getting that rationale is, is not a bad thing. Like that's something that we should be able to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, if you if they can't reply back and have a rationale for what obviously they're doing, then that's when you kind of question that someone. Um, because if you do, imp- I think when you implement something, you should always have a rationale for it, and it should be either practical approached, evidence uh, practical approached, or evidence based. Um, so yeah, I think wherever you implement, it has to be, you have to have a rationale behind it. Definitely, and. If we touch on a few more influences, Nathan, because you, you've crossed a, a few across, I'll start that again. You've crossed across a few clubs there and mentioned a few people along the way as well. Who, who else has been some key influences in your career so far? Yeah, I mean, I think one big one would be Luke Jensen. Um, I think the lectures that he put on was like great. Um, it, it was so insightful um, to hear. Um, and yeah, so that'd be definitely be one. Kamal was a big one. Um, he took, I took a lot away from him, a very good practitioner. Um, and I said, yeah, Elliot, uh, Warmer, who's, um, was under 18 strength conditioning coach. And now he is a first team strength conditioning coach, at, um, at Birmingham city football club. I think just his expectations and what he wants from you. Um, and like I said, he was, he knew what to get out of the players. Um, Trying to think, who else? There's also been, um, all, even though I've worked with a lot of um, alongside SNC coaches, there's been really, um, really good uh, football coaches that I've worked alongside with as well, and that I've took so much out from. When I was my, when it was my time, when I had a, sorry, when I went to Barnet, um, I was with Rossi, um, who was um, the first team manager at Barnet, but obviously things didn't go too well and he went to become under 18s manager and because he had that high expectation of what it should be when the first team he brought it down to where it wasn't under 18s and I learned so much in terms of just obviously making sure that the even simplest things of making sure that the players have water um, when they have obviously breaks um, and yeah just 
being on time and um, being proactive. Um, I learned a lot from that. And even right now, um, under our academy manager, Dan Harris, um, he's been a great mentorship for me. And, um, and I've taught a lot from him. Oh, sorry, I've learned a lot from him. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's, he's been great. I mean, everyone at Oxford, um, I've learned a lot from. And we have such a, a Leon at the moment, who's under 18's coach. Um, he has such a buy-in in towards SNC. And we work together so well. Um, and um, yeah, there's such a good just a communication around that. Um, and he's really open. And I'm really open as well. I know you mentioned probably, I think it was before we started recording, but you mentioned about the first team and academy being in the same building. Um, mm. And on it, I think it was on me recording as well, because you mentioned about the leaderboards in the gym as well. But what sort of impact do you think that has on, on the academy players to see the first team be around the first team within that same building? Yeah, I mean, it's massive. I mean, I just walk out of my office and if I go like turn left, then um, the, gaffer's office, the gaffer's office is right there as well. Um, and the players obviously walk around with other first team members. Um, and then obviously when we go out to training, they're not too far away. They're only a pitch away or two pitches away. Um, there's such a, just a great environment to be in. And I think um, it's great for the players to be around that and just know that that's where they want to be. Um, and then we, so what we do and what we work really well is, is that the training for the first team and the academy run at the same time. So if any academy player, if the first team is short, then it get, provides a, any academy players to go to obviously and train with the first team in case anyone pulls out or anything. So, yeah, I mean, um, the gaffer at the club, Carl Robson, he's great with young players and um, he gives them opportunities. And I think we've had so many academy players in the under-18s and under-23s that have gone on to um, make their debuts. And like I said, we have loads of young pros as well. So, yeah, there's loads of potential um, within Oxford United. And I want you to get your thinking cap on now and get a bit creative because we're going to go into the uh, fantasy world and... Remove a lot of limitations in terms of finances, in terms of maybe it might be um, location or whatever it is. But if you had your your way with the program and you could take it in any direction that you wanted to, whether that be kit, whether that be personnel, um, whatever it was, how would you want to move the program on at Oxford? Because you've obviously implemented a lot of things already. Yeah, I mean... Um, I would love to have like an iPad. I know a lot of clubs already have it, but I'd love to have it in terms of, uh, we do go live, but we have to bring the unit out with us as well. But I would love to just go out and just have an iPad and then just have literally just checking it and seeing what they've done. It'd make it so much easier than having to drag the laptop plus the, the pod and then carrying that around and chasing, chasing where the players go. So I think that would definitely be one thing, making sure that we have an iPad. Um, and I think, I suppose, platforms, I think we have four or five platforms, but I suppose, as you know, um, more would be obviously better for everyone. Um, as what we touched on as well, um, obviously isometric um, equipment to obviously make sure that, okay, how much force are they actually exerting through the ground um, and then monitoring that. Um, I think it would be good for like a return to train um, protocol as well. Um, in case that they can't do any movements just yet, see where they actually are functionally. And um, I think it would be um, actually having um, full-time members of staff within the under nines, under uh, under 16s, and just having, um, yeah, just having, I think 
someone was telling me Wolves have for every age group a full-time member of staff for each age I mean I think that's incredible that's amazing (laughs) I have to write that overseas so many um age groups um but yeah I think that that would definitely help me out I think no that's good to hear and with with that as well like I I think it's nice to reflect on isn't it because when you've been for your journey so so far and I'm looking probably more at, at clubs like Barnet you'd have probably looked mm-hmm. at what you were doing now and the access that you, you have to the gym and the environment mm-hmm. you're in now and that probably felt a million miles away. And, and talking about those things that you spoke about there could only just be round the corner, couldn't they, with it, in terms of yeah. this role progressing or possibly even next role? Yeah, I think in your role, you have to be adaptive. I remember when I was at Barnet and um, we had to share the gym with public members. So I'm obviously taking a gym, um, taking a gym with under-18s but that the space is so limited because you may have a woman who's taken up the, the whole platform, like the whole platform or just anyone. Um, and yeah, literally you have to work around it and it was so hard, but I think it makes you a better practitioner for it. And like you said, like you think back and you actually think, wow, like how far obviously you have came. Um, and, but obviously I still want to progress. I still want to pursue um obviously I have obviously my ambitions as well so yeah it's um definitely wanna yeah yeah when you think back at it and you think back at uh, where public members used to share your obviously your gym space I think that's it's crazy but um yeah so yeah, I think number one thing you have to be adaptable and in terms of the future Nathan what what do you see what are your aspirations where is it ending up with a first team or because it's quite, it's quite an interesting discussion. I spoke to a few people about this regarding, I think when a lot of people start out in SNC, they always have that ambition of ending up in, within a first team, don't they? And I, I yeah. honestly believe, and this is just my um, belief, that certain people and certain um, types of personalities suit different roles. So some people are superb in the academy role to progress players through to a first team, whereas some people don't suit that and they suit the first team environment. So... Where do you see yourself fitting and what are your aspirations? Well, since I was young, I always like supported Tottenham. I mean, every year I say to people at the beginning of the season, Tottenham are going to win the league. I say it all the time and they haven't won a trophy in so long, but I still say it. I say, this is our year. I say, and I say it all the time. And people at work are just, they, they give me ban all the time. And, but I don't care. We are, we'll win that trophy. But I think to, Obviously, to answer your question would be to work at Tottenham. I think that would be um, that would be a, a huge goal. Something that I've always wanted um, to do. I remember in my one of my first interviews at Derby County, actually, um, they asked me like, "Where do you see yourself in next? I don't know, ten years, or where do you want to be?" And even then, um, it seemed like such a long way. Um, but I said, um, "I'd love to obviously become a strength conditioning coach at Tottenham one day." But I think one thing that um, Dwayne, one of my um, one one of my uh, who works for the first team, strength uh, conditioning coach at Oxford, and we, we always speak about it because we're both ambitious people. And he said, "Yeah, but even if that doesn't happen, that doesn't mean to say that um, obviously you've not been a success of what you've done. You should obviously set yourself higher." Um, so yeah, I think, uh, and in terms of academy and first team. At the moment, I'm really happy with Academy. I think I like um, trying to be in that 
been that process of helping players develop into first team. I think in first team football, um, they're already there's only so much improvement that you can do because they're kind of at a finished article already. However, we're in the academy, there's a lot of potential still there and a lot of improvements still to happen. So I think at the moment, academy football best suits me of where I want to be. They're very different roles, aren't they? They're very different demands. Um, and when we spoke to people in, in both situations, they talk about, obviously, we've got S&C principles applied to both, but in terms of the demands on the day-to-day challenges and routines, they can be very different, can't they, from a first team? And when we've touched on the 23s role in the middle, down to 18s, but then opening up the academy is mm-hmm. a very, very different sort of challenge, isn't it? It's... Is so different. I mean, I, ha- I had the opportunity of gaining first-team experience this season and the pressure and just being around first-team players, um, it's so obviously performance result-driven um, and everything has to be done right because if it's not, then I guarantee you someone will pick it up, pick up, pick it up on you. Um, so, yeah, like, um, first-team environment is very, very uh, pressure-driven. Um and it's, I think Academy is a, it's a relaxed version, if that makes sense. And what do you think in terms of, like, because that was just my point of view in terms of personalities. I honestly believe that some personalities suit a first team and some, some mm. suit an Academy more. What, do you, what are your beliefs with that? Do you agree? Or? Yeah, I think, um, I think for any first team environment, that for any players, there's always going to be characters. And I think you need to have the personality to take banter. Because if you can't take that banner within football, then it's just not for you. Because they will, like players, will test you and see how far you can go. And you have to, um, you have to be conf- confident around that. Um, so that's one main thing I think that um, that yeah is the difference between first team and academy. You have to take the banner and you have to know how to deal with that. Awesome, mate. Well, I think. I think there's been loads in this, Nathan. I think I think it's been uh, action packed, and it's it's great to draw from your experiences because I'm sure there's many people that are that are going through the a similar journey to yours at the moment. And I know you've got a lot of aspirations, like you've just talked about. So it's it's good to catch you at this point and and then see you progress. Which with throughout the meeting so far, you've been to a, new, a number of our networking meetings, and we've seen you progress and do all the things that you've done so far so it's exciting to see what the next few years hold as well yeah 100% like I was saying to you um, the best coaches are thieves so I'm just trying to speak to as many people as I can and be the best practitioner I actually can be um, so yeah I'm excited to I'm looking forward to it thank you for inviting me on here no problem at all mate you just want to give out your details in terms of if people want to get in touch regarding um, the calls, the webinars, but then just generally as well, if they want to just get in touch with yourself. Yeah, so I'm, I'm quite active on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, I'm always posting my videos and what I'm doing um, in terms of like exercises or anything like that. Um, so definitely get me on Nathan Griffith. Um, and then on Twitter, um, it's Nathan Griffith X. Sorry about the X, but that's what it is. <laughs> awesome, mate. Well, I appreciate you coming on and um, we'll we'll stay in touch and yeah, we'll look forward to the webinar on, on Thursday with Cal and uh, Paul Bauer. And I'm, I'm sure it'll be great and go down really well. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to your future network meetings as well, which I'll be attending to in the future. 
So yeah, we'll uh, we'll be announcing those just as soon as we get the green light and uh, are able to speak to people in person again. Nice one, yeah, definitely be good. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you again for inviting me. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you. Big thank you to Nathan for coming on. You can go and give him a follow on Twitter at Nathan Griffith and then X. And I would encourage people to reach out as well. So if you want to get involved in um, the things that Nathan's doing in this lockdown period in terms of the WhatsApp group and the webinars and everything he's putting out, just drop him a message on Twitter. I'm sure he'd be glad to add you into the WhatsApp group. Um, Like I said at the start of the episode, I think they've got over 100 coaches in there now, which is amazing and top work by Nathan. And they're getting some, since we recorded this, um, the the podcast, I think at that time he was going into the webinar with Cal Walsh and Paul Bauer. But since then he's, he's done two, possibly even three more of the webinars since that period. So he's, he's getting some great stuff out there. Um, so go and give him a follow at Nathan Griffith and then X. And in terms of chatting to Nathan, I think he's someone that there's so many coaches out there making good use of this time, and he's certainly one of them. Um, so I think that's been the biggest takeaway for me is this period he, he sort of dived straight into networking, and he, he called the group as well on, on WhatsApp, SNC slash networking opportunity, and I think that's exactly what it is, isn't it? It's an opportunity to chat with coaches where they've got a little bit more free time, and he's certainly made the most out of it. And then also the fact that he's constantly learning. In our network meetings, he's one of these people that always asks questions, always asks the, the, when we have the presenters, he asks the presenters questions. He, he's always asking um, really good questions that he can apply to his practice. And I think that's something he talks about in the episode as well. And then his big plans, aspirations. So when I talk to him about that, it's something that I've not spoke to him about before, but he was quite honest in the fact that he's got aspirations of working at Spurs. Um, and I think that's something that we could probably all do a little bit better is set some big goals. Sometimes in our career, we can set goals that we we get we achieve and then we don't set anything else, like set some big goals, whether that's personally or professionally, um, and then we can work towards them. And I always think in terms of goal setting, the bigger the better, because if we if we set huge goals and we only fall half the way, then we're still in a pretty good position. So, and I think that's the sort of mindset that Nathan's taking with it all as well. So it was great to catch up with him. I hope you took plenty from the episode. I'm sure many people that have been to our network meetings before have met Nathan in person. And um, if you haven't, then get yourself along to when the network meetings kick off again. I'm sure he'll be there and you'll be able to catch up with him. But let us know what your biggest takeaways were. We've had a few tags on Twitter and Instagram recently in terms of biggest takeaways. So I really do appreciate that. Big thank you again for all your support. Um, sharing the show and and obviously listening to the episodes as well and we'll be back with another couple of episodes next week